You know how it goes. The new year rolls around and we all feel the pressure of having to become our better self, right? And it's not that we don't actually want to become that better self, but I wonder if maybe we more like the idea of becoming that better self. Like if we could just fast forward to the hard work and discipline it takes for habit change and just come out that better self on the opposite side, it would be so much easier because with every New Year's resolution, there is a certain amount of pressure that comes with it. Because with New Year's resolutions, failure will not do. And if at the very same time we think that, if failure will not do, then why try? But we do try, at least for that first week. Gyms are, pa are packed across the United States. Time management books are flying off the shelves. And we all really do try to become that better self. And then the second week rolls around. And that excitement, that boil inside of us, turns to a simmer. And by the third week, if you're like me, that simmer cools. And by the end of the month, well, I'll just wait till next year. We push it off. Because it's a lot easier to ignore pressure than it is to take it on. A lot of that we bring upon ourselves, though, don't we? a lot of that pressure we put onto ourselves. Because there is something in all of us that is deeply seated in our psyches that tells us that in order to be loved and respected, I need to become more attractive to other people. If I want to be more respected, then I need to become more respectable. If I want to be loved, then I need to become more lovable. And this way of thinking isn't to us in the 21st century. After all, it was Aristotle who lived in the 4th century BCE that said, we become just by doing just acts, temperate by doing temperate acts, brave by doing brave acts. And then it's hard not to take this philosophy with us into spiritual arenas. If I want God out there to actually love me, I need to make myself more attractive to him. If I want his love, I need to become more lovable. If I want his approval, I have to become my better self. And yet at the very same time, there is a mounting pressure because we know what his demands of us is. His demand is not good intentions. His demand is not, well, you just tried hard enough. His demand is himself. The standard by which he judges us is his own perfection. I get it then. I get it then if you are filled with anger and bitterness towards God. Because there are some of you who look into the sky and all you see is an old man up there making demands of you to which you cannot possibly ever begin to achieve. What kind of God would be so self-centered as to make demands of human beings that we cannot achieve but that only he can? And so as that pressure mounts, 
maybe it's easier to deal with that kind of pressure, those demands, and the God who gives them in the same way in which we deal with New Year's resolutions and the pressure that comes with that. Push it off. And so for some of you, that means that you live in bitterness and anger with God. And for others of you, that means in order to deal with that pressure, you say that God does not exist. Because if there is no God, then there can be no pressure. And so for many of you, you live your lives as functional atheists. 500 years ago, there was a German monk who lived under an extraordinary amount of pressure, and he bought right into Aristotle's philosophy. You become righteous by doing righteous acts. And it jaded the entire way in which he, he read the scriptures. And so when he read things like Romans 1.17, which says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. When he read that, he saw pressure. And he felt pressure. Because when he read righteousness... He was reading it as if it were a quality which he lacked. And he needed to make himself more attractive to God, to be loved by him. And when he read a righteous, the righteousness of God, what he read was the quality that God holds by which he judges all of humanity. That was not good news for Martin Luther. And yet... He tried as hard as he could to, to bear up under the kind of downward pressure that came with those demands. And so he chanted, he prayed, and he meditated. And when that did not work, he fasted and he beat his body. And yet the pressure was too much. And all that kind of pressure did was cause an anger to well up inside of him. He said, I did not love, no, rather, I hated the just God who punishes sinners. In silence, if I did not blaspheme, then certainly I grumbled vehemently and got angry at God. I said, isn't it enough that we miserable sinners, lost of all eternity because of original sin, are oppressed by every kind of calamity through the Ten Commandments? Why does God heap sorrow upon sorrow through the gospel and through the gospel threaten us with his justice and wrath? That was how I was raging with wild and disturbed conscience. I constantly badgered St. Paul about that spot in Romans 1 and anxiously wanted to know what he meant. And so Luther wrestled. And he tried as hard as he could to, to come to an understanding of the book of Romans, and particularly Romans chapter 1. And he began to understand that what he was doing was turning pressure into a promise. And so he began to realize that when he read, a righteousness of God has appeared as it is written, the righteous will walk by faith. He began to understand that more.
or as something which God gives to the individual. He began to understand that righteousness, though he lacked it as a quality, it was also something that God was willing to promise to him. The pressure that he saw in that passage, he began to understand it as a promise. That God promises to make him the standard that he's looking for. That entirely changes the way in which we can approach God and the Bible. Because it's no longer about me making myself more lovable or more respectable in order to achieve God's love. But it is about the promise of God given to us. The righteousness which he asks is also the righteousness which he gives. And that is good news. That's the gospel. Luther said later on, the love of God does not find but creates that which is pleasing to it. Rather than seeking its own good, the love of God flows forth and bestows good. Therefore, sinners are attractive because they are loved. They are not loved because they are attractive. So you feel the pressure. And as you feel that pressure, you feel stuck. And that is exactly what those commands and those demands and that pressure is supposed to do. The pressure that, that comes with God's demands of you are intended so that you realize you cannot live up to that kind of pressure on your own. The pressure is there so your eyes are forced upward and realize that God is not just a God who wants you to know him as a God of pressure and threat, but a God of promise. See, the God of the Bible is not just an old man living up in the sky who wants to damn you to hell. He is a God who is willing to save you. In the Bible, there are two great teachings. One is the law, which induces pressure. And the other is the gospel, which is God's promise. God doesn't want you to know him as a God of pressure and threat, but as a God of promise. So much so that he willingly took on human life to live with you. He wanted you to know him as a God of promise, so much so that he became a human in order to take on the, his own obligation of the law. And yet, he met each and every threat and demand perfectly. And the, the, the just punishment which was ours, he took on himself. It was as if he became guilty even though he is innocent. The judgment of the law, of his demands, he suffered himself so that we could have promise. Those threats, the demands, 
the punishment, the pressure, have all been fulfilled for you. And instead of pressure, God now gives you a promise. I will make you righteous. Thank you.